So, the colored hair, is that about the football? Good morning, uh, Merlin man. Good morning, Dad. How are you? I'm doing great. You sound great. Yeah, I feel so great Holy right now. God, Dan, what happened to you? You sound like you got hit by something. I did. I got you get the, hit by? Uh, you know, the flu thing that everyone Is has. it really? It's the flu. Well, I, I guess you can't technically know if it's the flu unless you go to the doctor and they perform a rapid flu test on you and then tell you that you have influenza type A, B, or C. If it's not, if you don't go through that, you can call it the flu and you might be wrong. But having had it before a number of times and understanding what it does and the progression and everything else, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to boldly make a statement that it was the flu or (laughs) is. It would be so nice to know that you should go to the doctor and find my detractors can (laughs) get in line. That's a, that is a, uh, that's one of my favorite kind of doctor visits. The kind of doctor visit where, like, you go, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm all screwed up. And they're like, well, yeah, we need to run a series of tests and batteries. And, you know, yeah, well, I'm just pretty sure I'm sick and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Well, easy ticks. Now, who here has the medical degree? Mm, that's okay. a great, that's the kind of doctor I like. <laughs> a fancy corporate doctor who <laughs> yeah. might be a chicken. <laughs> well, Mr. Benjamin, I have to tell you, based on my expertise, it appears to me you might have some version of the flu. Yeah. Now, the bad news is there's nothing we can do about it. Here's your bill. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. That was a great way to spend my morning. Thank yeah. you, doctor. Well, you know, the, my, my, my son had something and uh, it progressed into like a fever and he got earaches and stuff. And then, oh, no. And then, I, and then he got better really fast. And then I got something. And then uh, my wife and my little girl also got it in different. And it, it's been a little bit different for everybody, but there was a fever involved for everybody. So mm, that's a nice treat. It was wonderful while you were nice, off on your... Nice sound, nice sound sleep. On your boat. Lots of happy times. Ugh. I'll tell you what, like, it's amazing. If you mm-hmm. if you ever want to, like, like destroy your enemy in, in a way that they would never know, mm-hmm. just give them, like, a one, maybe two degree fever that never goes away. They will become mm-hmm. the most ineffective, or as you say, ineffectual person mm-hmm. in the world. And nothing, yes. nothing will ever uh, get done. Nothing will ever happen in their life. I'm still, I'm still tired. I'm getting like eight to nine hours of sleep at night, and I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I wake up tired. I f- barely function. People put food down on a plate in front of me. I eat it. It, it gets taken away. I don't know how that happens. I lost. The good news is, uh, I, I've lost a, a bunch, a whole bunch of weight. Well, Dan, you can ill afford that. I'm You're looking, a slender man. I look anemic. You're the original oh, Slender Man. Yes. You don't look anemic. You're a handsome fella. You're full of uh, joie de vivre. Mm-hmm. Joie de vivre. Am I right? Yeah, t- no, totally. Jesus Christ, Dan. That's, <laughs> that sounds like a it mess. I, I, haven't had, I haven't had this for a whole year. And, it, you know, all the little colds and stuff that we complain about, it just makes it, those things look like just oh, yeah. Disney World, man. Disney yeah, yeah. World. Like, you know, our friend Marco, he's also super sick. He's been sick for like two or three weeks. Yeah, he doesn't have a cold, by the way, but I don't no. want to go into it. He probably didn't get his flu shot. No. I thought he was friends with John Syracuse, so they should do a podcast. Yeah, I don't know if they're friends or simply simply colleagues. Yeah, they're podcast and them friends. Yeah. God damn it. I'm so sorry, Dan. That's miserable. It's, you know, it's a good thing. I mean, a friend thing. would take another friend's advice about the flu shot if they were... If they you know, were John. I think John. John actually. I think he went to. He studied computer maths in a school. I think he's an engineer. Yeah. He knows a lot about vaccines. 
if you and if inoculations, you, if you get inoculated against the flu, you won't get colds. According yeah, that's what, to. I mean, I, I got to say the truth. <laughs> I have not read the primary research. Right. I'm, I've, I've heard a lot of, uh, of John's talking on podcasts. I'm pretty sure he's going to tell you, you need to go to Walgreens, Yeah. go to Walgreens, get all the shots. Mm-hmm. Now, some of the shots they are going to say, you can't have that shot. He said, give me the shots. You just keep getting shots and then eventually you won't get a cold. I think that's science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. It was bad. It's bad. It's one of those things where you're just, you're laying there and you take your temperature and it says, you know, 101 point something. Oh God. And you're just, you're like. I, I, I think I may be dead. I am dying right now. It's awful. And you know, like all the, and the symptoms, the symptoms, the other symptoms are all manageable. It's just hallucinating. Yeah, I can manage that. That's not that different from my regular day. You you find, you can find a way to enjoy a hallucination. You you just sit there with it. You go with it. You you, you just Just go with it. Watch the movie as they used to say. Yeah. But like yes. all of the other symptoms, the congestion, the other, the, 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 the different pains and things, I can manage all that. The fever just makes it just the war. It's just the end. That's just the end. Um, funny. You should say that I have a lot of things to talk about here. Um, uh, and I was gonna, the funny thing is to give, since we're not doing it now last week, you said, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm out next week. Do you, do you know, do you, do you I told wanna... you I think as much as two days before I was leaving. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I got, I've got this. Because this was early on in my flu time. And, uh, and I said, you know what? We'll do another surprise guest on the And it was going to be Marco. And I, I messaged him. I'm like, oh, hey. I said, hey, do you want to do the show? And he's like, I would love to do the show, but I'm, I've got this cold thing going on. And, and, and I said, I have something too. And uh, he says, well, if we're both better later in the week, uh, we'll do it. And neither of us got better. So well, would it help at all if I listened to Marco for a few minutes? Yeah, would, do would that it. be useful to you? It would be the same thing. All right. <laughs> um, expensive headphones. Right. I don't answer my email. Right. Um, app store review. Uh, <laughs> coffee thing. Hops. Uh, <laughs> fractured uh, logos. Right. Uh, um, wife's cuter than me. That's it. Um, that's that's it. That's Nailed Marco it. in a nutshell. Yeah. That's that's the new O'Reilly book, Marco in a nutshell. <laughs> um, you know, here's the thing. I got a lot to say, Dan. Uh, <laughs> the coffee guy was open, and boy, are you in trouble. Um, oh, you're, you're full. Your tank is full. Love tank is full. <laughs> I'm still kind of on like like super weird East Coast time, so my head is super duper screwed up right now. But um, so I'm pretty awake. Uh, you know, it's nice that you know, in life, right? Life in general as a thing. Uh, it, you, uh, you get lots of chances at little things. I just think it's nice that you don't have to evaluate and always be evaluated upon like your lowest experiences. So like, I'm really glad that like, at least when you've got a fever, it's nice that you can be at home and people don't have to deal with you. Yeah. Cause I, I am laid low by what you're describing. I don't like any aspect of it. I hate feeling sore. I hate the hallucinating. It's, it's the worst. And the thing is, it's that feeling like if you get this with mono, you get this with a whole bunch of different kinds of viruses. There's just no way to be comfortable. Everything you do, it's like it's like some kind of uh, horrible Zen parable. No matter what you do, you want something else. <laughs> yes. You get in the bath. You're like, I'm cold. I want a bath. And you take a bath. And, ah, it's too hot. I want to be cold. Wah, I'm cold. And you're like, you become such a miserable human being. And plus, you know, you're you're seeing like vampires in the wallpaper. Right. I, you remember that? I don't know uh, if you're a, a Mad Men fan. I think we've talked about that. But my any anything any conversation we've had before. Five minutes ago, I've lo- I've lost access to for a little while because of mm-hmm. the sure uh, you got one hundred and one, one hundred and two, right? Whatever it takes. Well, there was there was uh, an episode of Mad Men I think where he has some kind of hallucinating flu or something. Oh and yeah, that 
totally on par for everything else that I went like that's nor that was just part of it. I don't want to give it away in case we have you know new watchers. No, no spoilers. Oh, Dan. I'm so, so sp- but you know what? That's in the past now. Now I'm just I, I can focus one conversation at a time and I'm good. I uh, was uh, while I was away. I was rereading that Alan Watts book that I mentioned, um, "The Wisdom of Insecurity." Yeah. Which, uh, boy, I just really, really can recommend this book. It's hard to believe it was written in 1951, but it's just just so much great stuff in there. All the stuff that you and I prattle on about, about Buddhism, this and Tao, that. Like, he just, he nails it. Like, he's just, he's such a, he was such a lively writer and such like a casual dude that like these incredibly complex ideas that sound like the kind of thing freshmen talk about when they have a hangover in the coffee cafeteria in the morning. Like he really, ma- he adds a, a lot of profundity to these, these co- very complicated ideas. And like, you know, like I said, I mean, the thesis of that whole book in some ways, I think comes down to the fact that um, the desire for security, the craving for security is mm-hmm. the thing that makes us insecure. That it's, you know, it's like the fear of fear that is fear. It's the anxiety about anxiety that makes us anxious. And which sounds real goofy coming from me drinking coffee, but he, he puts it across in such a great way. And there's this, if, if you guys go out and buy this book, it's just a little slender book. Uh, it's worth reading the whole thing. It's a very small, short book. But uh, there's one chapter in there I read three times uh, over the last week called The Marvelous, I think it's called The Marvelous Moment. And uh, I don't know. It really, it really struck me. And I'm only mentioning it here because it kind of gets to the point of what makes a cold so miserable, or what makes any kind of bad condition miserable. And we've talked about this, you know, numerous times before. But yeah. I mean, there's the basic problem of like, you know, it sucks to feel bad. It sucks to have a cold. It sucks to be worried. It sucks to be have all of those negative things. Like, you don't notice when you're having a good time, but you really notice when you're not having a good time. And I don't know, there's something, his, this, the, I think one way to put it is that it's our craving or desire to get away from that bad thing that makes it so much worse. Right. You know no, I mean? Nothing, nothing will teach you about, you know, about desire or craving or whatever term you want to use for it as feeling really, really bad and wanting to not feel bad anymore. Like it's one thing to be able to say, oh, you know what? My next door neighbor's dog is barking. That bothers me. But I, I can, I can make peace with that somehow like that's much easier than you know some kind of physical uh significant physical discomfort and and when that's there you're like i really want to i want to be someplace else yeah and and at the risk of driving to crazy town banana pants i think i think his point is yeah it's definitely no fun to for example have a fever but the thing that makes that so much worse is knowing that you can't get away from the fever Right. And it's not, it's not as simple as just going, oh, I accept that I feel bad and that makes you feel better. It doesn't, but there's a way to, what's the way, what's the way you, uh, the term skillful way yeah. to deal with that, which I am not good at, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I really, I took something away from that. It was highly impactful to me to think about it that way. Um, and here, here's another example. Uh, you know, think about like when you're feeling, for example, the barking dog or think about having ruminative thoughts and then suddenly something awesome happens. Like maybe you got the best email ever or maybe this Amazon thing you forgot your order came or something really wonderful happens and like all of a sudden you maybe don't notice the barking dog anymore, right? Right. You know what I'm saying? Which, which on an empirical level, if that dog was barking twice as much as it was before, it might not bother you. 
it wasn't really the dog barking. It was being bothered about the dog barking. Right. And once you are, if you like, distracted to something else, now you're, you're noticing, you're feeling something else. You're back in, that, in the moment when you're feeling happy. You're not sitting there going, I wonder how much longer I'll be happier about this email. You're just experiencing joy. And nobody, very few of us sit down and calculate joy. We do calculate how many days it will be until we aren't hallucinating about vampires in the wallpaper. (laughs) So I don't know. I thought I'd like to maybe talk about that book sometime if you ever want to pick it up. I will pick it up and I'll read it for sure. Yeah, I I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was awful good. Um, I'm tempted to read excerpts, but I won't do that. But uh, that's what I did. But uh, yeah, I was on a I was on a uh, a, a luxury uh, Atlantic cruise for eight days, and I'm a little bit stuffed up from the air conditioning, so I'm kind of in a bad way too. Yeah, you and I, I would say, went through the same thing. <laughs> oh my god, it was murder. <laughs> I had gravies and sauces on so many different things. <laughs> like I got what? into a habit every, every so. There's this place on the boat called the Windjammer, or as I call it, the Jammer, and it's this buffet that's always open, and you just go there. And it's they should just call it the Doka Bar. You go there, and it's just <laughs> constant all you could want slightly above average cafeteria food. No offense. But uh, you go there and it's like, there's like dozens and dozens of things that you could get all the time and have all you want of. But it's all, like I say, it's kind of B minus food at best. But every morning I get up and I trundle up to the jammer and I would make a plate full of starches and cover it with breakfast gravy. And now, now I crave that, right? That, that's really kind of the human condition right there. All the food you could want, but it's not very good, and then you want more of it. You covet, right? you covet what you know. Mmm, <laughs> my neighbor's ass. That's, that's from the book, right? Clarice. <laughs> Quid pro quo, Clarice. <laughs> Don't you desire breakfast gravy? Have you heard the silence of the sausage? But it was, you know, you're, you're at sea, so you can do whatever you want at sea. Uh, I love that term. I've always heard that term, but I never attached it to something. But they hand out a schedule and they go, on this day, we're going to be in this country. And this day, we're going to be in that country. On this day, we're hauling ass to get somewhere, so we're at sea. Yeah. It's actually a real thing. Yep, I don't get seasickness, so I'm lucky. But that was good. Anyway, I don't like to talk about it. It's kind of uh, annoying when people talk about fun things they did. Why? Um, because I want to hear usually, about it. I, I guarantee you, it was better than what I'd I was happy. doing. Maybe, maybe in the after dark, if you're still awake. But uh, it was, it was really it, here. Here it is in a nut. So Jonathan Colton is, is an internet guy who's awesome. He's the best. And uh, for five years now, he's done this cruise where you can sign up and go on this like t- totally like a, it's like a normal cruise with lots of uh, lots of very old people or you know retirement at sea, if you like. <laughs> and uh, so there's like four thousand passengers on this boat, and one fourth of them are Jonathan Colton people. And it's super easy to tell who's in which group. Based um, on? Well, the beards and utilicilts mm-hmm. are a little bit of a giveaway. <laughs> lots, of, uh, lots of trans people, lots of multiple colored hair, and lots of super confused three-fourths of the boat not knowing who the other quarter is. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the look of confusion. If there's a look <laughs> of confusion, then they're not part of the, the Colton thing. Oh, it's like the, the awesomest island of misfit toys ever. <laughs> and I think I have the kind of face that when you're in the elevator on the way to the Windjammer, if you are 70 years old, I have the kind of face that makes people say things like, so the colored hair, is that about the football? And I say, no, it's not about football. And, you know, and, and a phrase that I found myself using perhaps a dozen times in eight days, they're just having fun. 
it, was that a, was that a man? I said, absolutely. Oh, so they feel like you're sort of almost in you're in between worlds in a way. Like you, I think I'm pa- I'm passing strange. I think people they see me and uh, I'm uh, yeah, I didn't get, I don't get clocked as one of the loonies uh, from the cruise. Right, I got a haircut and stuff and a kid. But lots of people brought their kids. There was kids dressed up in like Doctor Who clothes and people wearing funny pants and it was really really nice. I mean, it was uh, I, I I'm not going to sandbag. Like I got to meet. Like and hang out with some people who are legitimate, like genuine, like heroes of mine, like uh, Ted Leo, this musician who I really, really have liked for a long time. It was all I could do not to just be a total dork around him. Like he was a really nice guy, and I got to meet him. But etc. And I'm not going to mention names because who cares? But um, but the cruise, the people on the cruise were amazing. It was uh, it was great, and it's becoming more of a cruise. I think uh, there's a lot, a big component of like gaming, tabletop gaming, mm-hmm. some video games, but like um, like the exploding kittens guys were there, and they were giving out decks of this, you know, their big new game, and it was just great. You just go down to this four thousand square foot conference area where everybody's playing like a different tabletop game, and it's it's like Nerdvana. It's like the greatest. So anyway, I, I don't know. I just want to say thanks uh, that I was invited to do that. And what my family what, got to what do that. capacity were you there in? Were you uh, playing games? I was games a, an internet, you... internet humorist. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I only really did three things. If I do it again, and I'd love to do it again, I'll do more. We did a um, live episode of Roderick on the Line for, for the, the nice people. And I was on a kind of airsats uh, funny thing. Uh, where John Scalzi, the science fiction guy who's mm-hmm. super nice, hosted this BS session. So me, John Roderick, and Patrick Rothfuss uh, were ex- were given questions, and we had to come up with BS answers, and that was really really funny. And then uh, we did some a lot of meet and greets, a lot of like just like go meet people and have an opportunity to not have to do anything and just talk and take photos and just you know talk about Hawkeye or whatever. So uh, it was uh, amazing and. Uh, yeah, it was it was really great. We, we don't take a lot of vacations, so it's kind of special to get to go. Oh, somewhere. yeah, that's awesome. You know, I, I have a lot of anxiety about going places, especially on vacation. So uh, that was that was a good thing. Anyway, I don't want to say whatever, but it was really, really nice. Uh, just the, the people were great. And I missed the windjammer. <laughs> There's nothing like that in, in San Francisco. Big, fancy San Francisco doesn't have a windjammer. When I was, I want to say 10 years old, uh, did you have Duff's when you were a kid? Um, the, the Duff's, the buffet place? No. You probably had similar. But we, had like a, it, we had a Shoney's. Well, they opened up a Duff's in Cincinnati, Ohio, and it was about the greatest thing in the world. Because you'd go to this place. I think it was $3 American. You go in there, and you literally eat all that you want. It's a buffet, a smorgasbord, as you say. And I thought that was about the greatest thing in the world. And you could just eat all the bread you wanted. You could have, you know, a variety of gravies and sauces. It's like an, ol- an olive garden. Yeah, it's like uh, when you hear your family. And when you're gone, who really cares? Let's be honest. <laughs> Hospitaliano. <laughs> TM. <laughs> Dan, I think I might be full of beans. Um, so that was nice. I'm really sorry that you're sick. I'm sorry you couldn't do the show. No, and that's uh, the weird thing, Merlin, is like you can't, you, you, you can't really do much of anything. Like anything that involves, like anything that you would term an activity you really can't do it. Like, I, I, I you know, and, and like toward the end of the week, even though I came, I came into work on Friday, I was like, I'm not, you know, I wanted to come in and record something. But just the idea of like fiddling with the, 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 the controls and like being in front of a microphone and talking and saying something that would make any sense at all was just too much. It was just, just, I knew I wouldn't do it. 
And I didn't even want to go through the, and that's the thing, like for me, that I noticed was the biggest change or the biggest, the biggest difference between healthy Dan and Dan who's had a fever for a week yeah. is typically I don't have any problems with energy. I, I always have plenty of energy. It seems I'm, very well regulated generally. Uh, yeah. And it's like, I can, I can do the, the kinds of things. Like I remember in, in when I was a, a young, a young man, I used to, uh, you know, it, things used to come in like surges of like, oh, we're do this thing for a long time, then I'll, I'll have to stop doing it and take a break and crash. For now, it's more like this consistent. You, you know, I'm I'm not driving 75, but like I'm in about 68, and I can drive about 68 miles an hour. You want me to go 75? It's going to take a lot of work, but I have no problem going 68 miles an hour for mm-hmm. the next eight, nine hundred miles easy mm. like that kind of just sl- i don't know what you call that afterburner whatever i don't know but like that's fine for me and that's how i work and like i don't i don't mind putting in 8 10 12 15 hour days for weeks at a time no problem no problem and not being able to do that that's what i'm trying to say is that uh is is that's the big the big difference for me is just oh, yeah. having to like take your foot off the gas and realize that Maybe the only thing you're going to be able to do today is some email because that and that's going to tire you out. Right. Well, and I think that's unconsciously why I'm talking about that Alan Watts book is because you feel when you okay in, in like a really true sense of the word, you feel separate from yourself. When, when you're that ill, you feel separate from the self that you usually are and what you're capable of, which you, and because you know yourself, you know, it should not be hard to get out of bed and be upright for a few minutes, but it's, it seems impossible sometimes, but it doesn't feel that good to lay down either. So it's, it's a very, uh, you feel, I, I don't know. I always feel very absent from, from my body. Totally. And it's, it's miserable. I mean, on the one hand, I'm intensely aware of like the aches and pains and the, and the tiredness and stuff, but it's that feeling of being, um, disconnected from what you're, what you're used to and, and what you know you're capable of. And like I say, the other thing that drives me nuts is there's nothing, joy is the wrong word, but it's hard to find anything that's even a distraction. Right. It's, but like, I may find myself watching like a bunch of some TV show that happens to be on just because that's what's on. It's not fun, but that's what you end up doing it. But the idea of having to concentrate on doing anything just makes you more tired. The idea of yeah, it, the idea, the very idea of it. And the, you know, the frustrating thing, and I think this is, I remember back in in uh, in the good old days when I used to work for somebody else. I was an employee. I had sick time and things like that. And like you know, you get sick. You're oh, don't come to work. We don't want to make anyone else sick. And we want you to get well. You know, and unlimited mm-hmm. sick time was the policy at the companies I often worked for. So you just you stayed home until you were better, and then when you were better, you came back. And that was you know, if that was a few days, okay. If it was longer, okay. You know, and yeah. now it's like we had. Uh, here I had a, there's a, there's a, sh- a new show that I've been working on for a very long time that I'd already pushed back and I said you know what, I'll start it uh, in the beginning of, uh, of of February and all the sponsors and stuff are lined up for it everything is lined up for it guests are lined up for the whole thing whole shebang we actually had two shows we we're going to start and like obviously that didn't happen and it's not happening this week either you know yeah. uh, unless by the end of the week miraculously i'm like way good enough to start it but you know this is like a lot of effort went into this a lot of timing a lot of scheduling and it's simply not going to happen i haven't done a podcast method in two weeks because i usually do them on thursdays or fridays which is when i got sick the week prior so that's yeah. two two weeks i'm behind on that show and it's mm-hmm. like simply 
there, there's nothing to be done. And it's not like when you go on a vacation or you take some time off intentionally and you don't get sick and you're like, you know what? I'm raring to go when I get back. Oh, I'm raring to go, Merlin. I just can't do it. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, I, I spend so much of every day, mostly for good real reasons, feeling behind on everything and feeling inadequate. The worst. Any, well, I'm just saying every day I'm walking around going, oh my God. Yes. There's 14 things I already should have done. Yes that I haven't done. And I kind of hate myself about it. Yes. And then you start to get sick. And suddenly there's a little voice that goes, oh, you should go work on some of those things that you're behind on, but you can't. Right. And then you feel worse and worse and worse. And it's a kind of a deficit or, or, or debt, which again, doesn't make you feel any better. And how do you ever reclaim? <clears throat> you can't reclaim that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like how, yeah, how I mean, do, you, do you, oh, well, I'll work this weekend. Great. So I'll make myself sick again. No. You know what I mean? Like, like well, you, there are certain, mm-hmm. there are certain things you just can't do. Like I'm not going to not take my kid to school because even when I was sick, I was taking him to school because you had, he has to go to school, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I'm not going to say, well, I'll just work through the weekend because no, then my, my family suffers. And then, you know, we're getting back to the energy thing of like, maybe I should rest a little bit. I've just been sick. All of this compounds. Yes. The, the only not the only, but one of the very few upsides to take away from any kind of a break, intentional or otherwise, is that whether you like it or not, you're getting repotted a little bit. So a vacation, sure, that's a kind of repotting. You're supposed to get away. You're supposed to not look at your phone. You're supposed to do something different that, you know, is a diversion from the day-to-day stuff. That's part of a vacation. Um, but even being sick, you know, I, in some ways, I think the worst, one of the worst things you could do is what you're describing, which is to come back and feel like, oh God, now I'm five times more behind. When, I mean, I know this isn't possible and it's not possible for everybody in all conditions all the time, but it is a, it is a kind of, like I say, a repotting or a reboot to mm-hmm. go, well, you know what? I'm not insane. Right. If I were insane, I would let myself continue to feel bad about what I haven't done. And instead, now I'm going to do the thing that I should do every day anyway, which is to go, like, what's the most important high-value target thing that I can do today, given whatever conditions, whether it's whether you're sick or not, whether you're getting better, whether, you know, time constraints, time, energy, all those kinds of constraints. But like, I think a gift you can give yourself is to say, well, it's time to be re- realistic for a while. I can go back to being unrealistic about what I do when I'm feeling better. But for now, it really is sensible to say, I'm going to like fake this until I make this, which is I'm going to like, it's going to have to be okay that this is what I do for a while. This is a condition we all go through when something horrible happens in our lives. Um, when somebody is very ill in our lives or when someone dies, like you have to, you have to go take care of that. And you get that moment where you go, this is important, I guess is the word. This is more important than all those other things. And it's more time sensitive. And it means more to me as a person to do this. And it, but it's kind of bracing to come back from that and go, well, I left that, I left that situation of unreality with more stuff that I could ever do. I've come back and now maybe I've got some sympathy from people because of what happened, but I also should take advantage of this opportunity to not have to do everything to realize there's only a certain number of things that I, that I can do, which you know, it's no fun to hear. It's no fun to live, but man, what a way to improve your life is to go. I can't do it all. Yeah. And I'll make myself insane. And, you know, and here's the deal. If it makes you one, not you, but if it makes one feel better to beat up on yourself and you actually become more productive because of that, like enjoy the five or six years you have left to live. <laughs> right. but, but otherwise, knock it off. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. I have to remind myself of that five times a day. The time I spend feeling bad about what I'm not doing is not creating anything. It is, it is being destructive rather than creative. And getting out of that state of mind where you're telling yourself what you can't do or haven't been able to do. This is not just, 
you know, uh, inspirational pap, it's actually accurate. Like, what is your track record? Is your track record that you get a lot of good stuff done when you feel like crap about yourself? Well, you know, Hakuna Matata, run with that ball. But I think if you can let go of that and decide to forgive uh, all of your apparent, you know, errors as a human, you'll end up doing better stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and if, you know, and then the other thing, if you want to get a little bit GTD about it, like as far as that show, you know, it helps to be realistic about saying, what can I do now? Because either I can do something, maybe small now, or if I can't do anything about it, I've got to just punt that to next week right. and not feel bad about it. I think my sponsors would like the show to be really good. They would like me to have my full voice when I come back. They'd like to make sure the invoice is correct. They'd like to make sure the read is up to date, all those kinds of things. And put some polish on like the one thing that you actually, you know, could do well and then take a nap. Yeah. That's my advice to you, Dan Benjamin. Well, thank- I'm going to take it. Mm. Consider taken. Taken, would you want to tell me about something you like? I would like to tell you about our friends over at Citrix GoToMeeting. These are, uh, by the way, we have three sponsors today, Merlin, three. Approved. Uh, Citrix GoToMeeting. Now, here's, here's the thing about these guys. They've come because they know that this is a show, Merlin, about, about helping people. It's a show about work. It's a show about improving your, uh, your effectiveness. Show about backs. It's a show about backs. And look, you know, I was I was homesick, right? And you know, Andy Anako for up in the frozen uh, Northeast now. Roads are closing everywhere around you. Having an actual meeting that involves human beings together in one place can become a logistical nightmare. I would like to have a meeting with Marco. There's no way that he's going to be able to get to the office today. He's too sick. He's too sick. Too sick. So I would in, in to, to solve this problem. Citrix go to meeting. You still need to get your work done, right? Because deadlines is what we're talking about. This stuff, in many cases, it doesn't wait if, if these logistics are lining up against you. So here's the solution. Citrix GoToMeeting. You use this with your clients, your coworkers. This works online from anywhere because you want to collaborate. You want to get your work done. Even if your team is stuck at home or if they're snowed in or whatever, it helps you work smarter. All you need is a, a computing device, a tablet, a smartphone, any one of these things. Turn on your webcam. And you've got high-definition video conferencing. You can share screens. You can show off your fancy new projects, your website designs, talk about features, review documents, all of this stuff, and get feedback in real time. It's as simple as clicking a link. You don't have to, like, install stuff. It's amazing. GoToMeeting, you can try it free for 30 days. Nothing to lose. Visit GoToMeeting.com and click the Try It Free button. Do it now, and you can have your first meeting up and running in minutes so check it out, gotomeeting.com, free 30-day trial. Thanks very much to Citrix GoToMeeting for, uh, for supporting the show and the illnesses we have. Thanks, GoToMeeting. Bok, bok. <laughs> I had to show my kids that commercial. <laughs> there is a, I found a great YouTube uh, video. Can I just call it a YouTube? Do I, have to call, do I have to append the word video? I think it's called The YouTube. I found a good The YouTube uh, that that was just, it was about a 10-minute long collection of commercials. That, yes. Have you ever watched these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched one of 70s commercials that was like half an hour long, and it was just one thing after another. They I totally am- remember. amazing. Well, this one was from the 80s, and it was recorded during the, uh, not Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, but this Spider-Man and Incredible Hulk uh, hour. 
Mm. So you would keep coming in and out of the Spider-Man Incredible Hulk little screen and go to commercial. And it were these great commercials, one after the next after the next, of all the stuff that we used to like when we were kids back in the uh, in the 70s and 80s. And my, my, uh, my son specifically asked to watch this. He said, I want to see what... He knew, uh, for, and this is not a for better or for worse, this is a worse thing, I think. He knew every single brand. He knew all the main characters. He knew, you know, like the one that he was kind of a little not sure about were the Keebler elves. He wasn't sure if he'd seen them uh, before or not. But like all the other brands, all the other, and he's like, oh, I want that. I want that to stretch Armstrong. I want that toy. Oh, man. He knew all the toy. He knew all the, all the stuff. It was still cool. And so much of what was around back then. Uh, is still around now in pretty much the same, the same way. And, you know, I was watching this, the, these commercials and I realized that, you know what, this is before, this is before the internet. Mm-hmm. This is before cable TV for most people, even, you know, like we just had like a few networks and like a dial on our TV. And if we wanted it louder, we had to get up off the, the sofa and turn a knob. And like, it was a really, it just struck me how different. Of a time. It was back then. And you know what? And I don't know if this means that I'm old now, but I I thought, you know, things were so much more innocent then. And like, they weren't that innocent in the 80s. We had cocaine and AIDS and stuff. But like, it was, but but like, it still felt more innocent to me. It was certainly, um, by comparison, um, I don't know another word, simpler. You know, and I've I've tried to explain. You know, you know, you know what little kids love is b- being explained to right. about decades before they were born. <laughs> yeah, they all oh, they love that. It's fascinating to them. But you know, the kind of TV we had, we had a probably twelve or thirteen inch black and white TV, and it had one dial that turned to, to make the channels, another dial that was for turning it on and off and doing the volume, and then we had the antenna that you had to frequently adjust especially if you wanted to get the station from Dayton. And, uh, and TV was always on at a certain time. Well, you know, we did. We, um, <clears throat> when we were away, we watched The Wizard of Oz. And I was, I was trying to, you know, God, my, she could not possibly care any less. But I'm like, you know, when I was a kid, um, The <laughs> Wizard of Oz, like whatever, The Sound of Music or uh, later Gone with the Wind, but especially The Wizard of Oz, it was a big deal. Because the, the Wizard of Oz was on once a year. And you sat and you watched The Wizard of Oz. And if you didn't see it, you didn't see The Wizard of Oz for a year. I can't even like begin to imagine what that must be like for her. I mean, we've seen all the Harry Potter movies multiple, multiple times. She can watch uh, Megamind whenever it suits her, right. I mean, given, the, given the rules. But like, you know, think how bananas that seems in comparison. Even to the 80s, where you could have a VHS tape of Pinocchio that you watched every afternoon. I mean, it's just strange to think about how how narrow and straight and long the hallway was for TV viewing where it's like, well, you know what? You got stuck in traffic and now you don't get to watch the wizard of Oz for a year. <laughs> right. For a year, a year. No. Yeah. It was on, it was I on mean, people like Syracuse that they had the laser disc, but for the rest of us, you know, you, you're not going to go out and buy the wizard of Oz on VHS. Probably. Right. Well, you couldn't. when I was, yeah, a kid, I right. mean, you couldn't, we, uh, I think my first exposure to VTRs, as we used to call them, was uh, when I was in military school, we had a Betamax. And if you, there was a fund that everybody that, and the parents and the kids would kick into to buy movies. If you wanted a copy of whatever, MASH, it was, I think it was $100. 
to buy a Betamax copy. It was $80 to $100 to buy a movie. And it was in one Crazy. little area at the service merchandise where they had the 10 movies that you could buy. And I think they were at least $50, $100. This is, wow. video rentals had not caught on big yet because VCRs hadn't caught on big yet. No, but, but, in, but you know, up to the late 70s, you had to see it in the, th- you know what, Dan? Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. Literally, nobody cares. Especially oh not our kids, God. but the, well, the other thing, the other thing that I, before we forget, I don't want to circle too far back. But you were making this comment earlier about uh, about what to do when you realize, you know, like hey, you're sick, you need to just rest, you need to do that. There, there are these things that happen since we're talking about being, you know, very, very old. Is you know, there are things that happen to you physically that that you uh, you, you they happen, and then you need to change your life. Because of them, for ex- <laughs> that's just a, that's just the thing you do now. Yeah, for, ex- for like example, the Louis C.K. bit. <laughs> yes, that's right. No, that's exactly right. How long do I need to do that? Oh, no, as long as you don't want your ankle to be screwed up. Right, just the thing you do now. <laughs> right. So, like, I, I have, I, I told you, I think in the past that I screwed up my uh, back for years and years of bad posture, sitting, hunching over a computer. Like those things. If if I could go back to my you know late teens, early twenties self, I would have said. Start sitting up straight now. Stand sometimes while you're, you know, typing. Like put, you know, work at your countertop or something. Like anything to offset what would have have been eventually something that led me to, to chronic back issues. So like finally, I went to like it got really bad. I've told this story before, so I won't tell it again. But I went to physical therapy for it, and there and they gave me like stretches and exercises and things to do that a normal human with a very active lifestyle, uh, living on a farm or something. Something, you would do this a million times a day. But for those of us hunching over our little computers and devices and offices, we tend to, to use the wrong muscles until they eventually give way. And that's what happened. And, uh, and, and so like I had to go through this training process and, and now, you know, I do these, I do uh, all kinds of stretches and sit-ups and push-ups and other things that, uh, that you do to just strengthen and keep your your back and core muscles like strong and flexible and other things like that. And now I don't have for the most part I don't have all these problems that I had for years and years that were debilitating in some cases. And I was doing these stretches and and like I don't want to do these generally speaking. Like I don't want to like put my kids to bed still having not eaten dinner sometimes and like go downstairs and it's 8:30 I'm like great. Now I need to do 30 uh, minutes of stretches and push-ups and stuff like that. Like I don't want to do that. Uh-huh. And I, I, I don't really complain about it, but I was like, oh, I'm gonna get in the stretches now. And my wife said, she's like, well, how, how much longer do you have to do those? I'm like, forever. She's as like, long as I want to not be in pain, right? She's like, really, like it won't ever get caught up. I'm like, no, because I'm not 20 years old now. <laughs> you know, like right. at 20, it catches up, and then you don't do it anymore. You know, at 40 something, uh, there, you just keep doing it forever. Yeah. Welcome to adulthood yeah. where we're not doing something really uh, boring. It just has catastrophic uh, consequences. It's, it's, it's the worst. But it's like, uh, you doing, like you doing push-ups. That's pretty hot, Dan. You should oh, put that on the internet. Doing, I've been doing I'll take, I'll take some videos. That's Do a Patreon. As my, as my daughter says, put it on Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the line. Put it on. on, put it on I, I saw the big, uh, the big Hero 6 movie you wanted me to see. I saw The Signal. Uh What'd you, think co- of, what'd you think of Big Hero Six? Uh, you know, it was a good, good movie, good animated film. I thought you'd love it. I, I liked it. It's good. There's, um... I thought the, the uh, I, you know, it's 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 always fun to as somebody who like enjoys animation. I, I'm always I always feel kind of struck that people don't use animation 
for more like impossible stuff. You know, that you're like a lot of animation is about like looking realistic or something, which is yeah, fine. Right. But like what they were able to do with the little nanobots was, I thought it was amazing when he does his demonstration. Oh, that I was, was like, pretty cool. That's really a clever use of animation. I probably need to watch it again without the fever. But mm-hmm. with the fever, uh, the Big Lebowski had took on a whole new meaning for me and I reconnected with it in ways I, I didn't think possible. Oh, that's nice. I, I almost watched it this morning. Oh, nice. I uh, watched the Birdman movie. Yes, saw the Birdman also. You should you should watch that when you got a fever. Huh? I, did. <clears throat> I did. Wow, that's a that's a pretty strange movie. Yeah, not what I thought. Not what I thought at all. It uh, when I was I watched it on the plane and I was saying to my wife, it's it was not what I expected, and much more of like a Charlie Kaufman kind of movie than well, I expected. Right, right. Kind of magically real, and uh, you know what's good is. Um, I think it's a rerun. Believe it or not, a rerun on Fresh Air. Mark your calendar. But uh, I think it was uh, Dave Davies was in for uh, Terry Gross, who's in for Dave Davies. And um, but uh, the, yesterday uh, they ran an interview with Michael Keaton, who sounds like the best. He sounds awesome. It was a great interview about his life and being raised in this. He didn't say like a poor family, but kind of like a you know he was one of. There were nine kids in his family, two wow. of which didn't survive. Uh, they lived in this broken down farmhouse in Western Pennsylvania. It's a really good story. I'll put, I'll put it in show notes. Well, maybe in the after dark, uh, <laughs> we can talk more about that movie because there, there's some questions I have for you. About well, that's that they talked about that, about how like everybody's got an interpretation about what happened. And uh, <clears throat> according to Michael Keaton, the director says, uh, he asked the director, well, like, what, do you, what do you think it is? Or what was your intention? He says, well, there's as many... Um, readings of that ending as there are seats in the theater, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. It was very um, confident. He was great. Uh, My goodness. Not what I expected at all. At every turn, it was not what I expected. I thought it was going to be like, I don't know what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like him and Norton, like, you know, sparring over who's the better actor. (laughs) Yeah. Way more complicated than that. Way more. And Emma, and it's Sto- Emma Stone, of, you put, uh, put a little Emma Stone in any movie. That's that's my new. That's my I didn't new even phrase. realize that was Emma Stone for like fifteen minutes, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's Emma Stone!" Right? She was so skinny. She she was great. She was, I mean, you know, skinny because she's. I guess she you know supposed sort to be of out a drug rehab. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was uh, that was quite a movie. Big announcement from from Marvel and Sony this morning. So many big announcements. Oh, the new new announcement. The new new. Oh, Dan, this is big news. It's big news for those who care about this kind of thing, and I think we all do. Uh, yes. And that that is that, uh, as many people know, uh, back in the back in the old days, when we, Marvel was going bankrupt, when Marvel was going bankrupt, and did they a were few selling, comics. they were literally selling. Bendis <laughs> says they were selling file. The day he started there, all the file cabinets were in a corner because they were selling them for cash. Oh my god! In two thousand, yeah, wow. Well, so, yeah, was it nineteen ninety nine? This transaction happened. I think so. Like so. Sony bought a bunch of Marvel properties to use to make movies, and these properties included, uh, well, Spider Man, and uh, where, where, who owns the X Men? Uh, that's Fox. Fox. But, yeah, but Sony has Spider-Man and, and I, I don't have the Venn diagram in front of me. Yeah, but yeah they optioned it. It's basically like $7 million, like $7 million or something yeah. to option Spider-Man and say, okay, we get to make Spider-Man movies now. Thanks. Here's some money. Right. So meanwhile, all of a sudden comics like kind of came back and got cool again. And uh, Marvel created uh, a, a, a an entire movie uh, group. 
so that they can make um, movies about their characters, except the ones that they'd already sold to Sony and these other places. So that's why every Spider-Man movie you've seen has been made by Sony instead of Marvel. But Iron Man, they held on to that. So was the first Marvel Studios movie. That, are you, is this a quiz? No, I watched a really. I think it was of, Iron Man. I'll say Iron the first Iron. No, no, Man. it was. It was. I'm just saying. I watched this laudatory, self congratulatory Marvel 40 minute Marvel thing <laughs> I watched yesterday yeah. about the history of Marvel. 75 years of Marvel and congratulating themselves about this. Yeah, Iron Man was absolutely the, the first Marvel Studios movie, and I, I think the conventional wisdom is true. People are like, "You got to be kidding me." You're making a movie about Iron Man? First right. of all, who cares? Right. And second, like, how are you going to make a movie about a man in a metal suit? That's asinine. Right. But they did it. Turned out all right. And then they did The Avengers, uh, which also great, great movies and uh, and the Hulk stuff. And and so now this they have announced a deal with uh, I, I forget what their imprint for the movies is called. It's like Marvel Cinema something, Marvel Studios or something like something that. Something like that. But their their motion picture arm has made an agreement with Sony so that now they kind of can work together on the Spider-Man character in movies. So that means Spider-Man can be in Marvel movies and uh, and and also they will be co collaborative movie development. So this the some of the new Spider Man movies will be will have more. And I've got to tell you, I feel like the Marvel movies are much much better than the Sony movies in general. I think any of the Iron Mans trump mm-hmm. any of the Spider Man movies by far. For example, in the Avengers two, and uh, and having that character back in it makes me very happy. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago, but there, there's a funny Venn diagram out there uh, that shows you who has the rights to what. And you, you see that it gets pretty complicated. Uh, I don't know the exact terms of it, but for example, well, okay, like, we, you know, there's the obvious ones like Iron Man and I think most, yeah, the primary, the Avengers, the main Avengers, as characters, here's where it gets stupid, like as characters and as a group called the Avengers, all is in the Marvel camp. X-Men, as a title, is 20th Century Fox, but then you get into crazy stuff, like you get this nonsense with uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, where, so, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were both in the Avengers, starting in the 60s, right. but I think they're both mutants. Mutants, yep. So, they're not in the X-Men, so you can have them in an X-Men movie, as they have now, but it can't be, I, I, it's it's like there's two different Quicksilvers now, and there's two different. It's it's completely baffling, right? The way that they have to do the uh, the uh, Quicksilver and uh, and Scarlet Witch in like the Avengers movies is that these the Marvel, are, Marvel Studios, the yeah. Marvel Studios is that they these are. Uh, are are people who have been experimented on who now have these strange powers? Ugh. Same same essential power. We just can't call them mutants, and they're not mutants. They are people who have these strange powers now and so yeah but it is it's not it's not a good thing well i i'm I'm gonna uh, take off my businessman hat (laughs) and put on my fan hat and say it's an atrocity to me what they've done to the fantastic four in the interest of business i mean (sighs) so the fantastic four uh movie rights are owned by fox and I mean, like, I think Fox, but it's not Marvel that owns the rights to the Fantastic Four or the Fantastic Four characters, right? And so there's been a number of movies that are not really up to par with the best Marvel movies. I mean, Roger Corman did one on a budget of $11. Just, I think there was, was a thing where they had, was it the, was one of them they had to make 
just because right, the rights keep, were about to expire. Yeah, they have. They so I, I don't know if it's once every seven years or whatever it is, but yeah, it, the the rights will expire if they don't actually have a movie that comes yeah. out in that time frame. Use it or lose it, <laughs> right? But like, I mean, everything. I mean, I gotta say, Michael Chiklis is that the guy's name? He was great as Ben Grimm. But this the script, the story, the effects, and Chris Evans. Get ready for some more bananas. Chris Evans, who we know as Captain America is Johnny Storm in those movies. Right. So that's kind of confusing. But Jessica Alba, who I think is a fine, okay, she's an actress. Um, <laughs> casting her as Sue Storm hurts my heart so bad. Why? Why is that? Well, okay. In terms of like fantasy casting, like I, I think January Jones is great on Mad Men. And I just assumed that like she was a great actress at playing kind of this certain character. Her as Emma Frost, I think it's good. Like she's kind of a you know an astonishing X Men version of of Emma. But like, wouldn't she be kind of perfect to play Sue Storm in some ways if she could really like smart it up? I think she she looks like what I would imagine Sue Storm would look like. Kind of Jessica Alba is very dark complected. She she not that this matters, but she doesn't look like anything like what. I would imagine Sue Storm would look like. And I'm not talking about like sexy stuff. I'm talking about like what the character, you know, with 50 years of history, like looks like in my head anyway. No, I I agree with that. And, you know, but I I, I guess that there's often this argument of, well, so what? It's a movie we're reimagining it or we're building it around. Yeah. And we'll get to that with the new Fantastic Four because this show is about comics. But uh, (laughs) what drives me bananas, and I, I, I don't know if this is officially, officially true, but let me let me drop a little science on you. Like Marvel was kind of a, a going concern in the late 50s and into the early 60s. There's one comic book series, one, a comic book came out in, I want to say 1961, that ushered in the Silver Age of comics and is still arguably, I think, one of the most influential comics in the history of superhero comics. And I think inarguably is the comic book title that made Marvel Marvel. They, they've done, they did a lot over like three or four years. Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four started it all. Yeah. That's what made Marvel Marvel. And the story goes, I don't have the, uh, the uh, primary literature in front of me. The story goes, they canceled the Fantastic Four series just so they could do less. Marvel would be doing less to promote the movies that they don't own the rights to. It was a grudge cancel. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear. Now, I have not been a giant fan of Fantastic Four's current series since Fraction left. No offense. I love Matt Fraction's Fantastic Four and FF. I think they're astonishingly good, especially the FF. But like, isn't that, isn't there something kind of like, even if you can get past all the crossover stuff and all the event stuff and all of the obvious money grabs, like, isn't there still some part of you go like, you know, have a little dignity. Like that's the title that made you guys. If you, it's like DC, if DC can't figure out what to do with Wonder Woman, they should turn off the lights. If you can't keep Fantastic Four alive, like, how are we supposed to like have any like childhood wonder about your publishing company? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I know that's just a fan thing, but I, I love the Fantastic Four, especially when they're done well. And when, you know, people get the characters and I don't know, that just made me really sad. And if, if they ended up, you know, well, and see, but you talk about getting the characters. I think that's that's the key thing. And I think that's why uh, what appeals to me about the Marvel uh, superhero movies compared to the Sony ones, the Sony ones treat the characters like, well, we have these characters, they have these powers, they have these enemies they're supposed to fight. So we'll, we'll set that up and, uh, and then, then we'll make a movie out of it. Whereas, uh, wh- whereas what Marvel does is say, oh, we, no, we get these guys and we get that what makes them 
uh, work well together is this dynamic that they have and the per- different personalities that they have. And the reason why we're going to be true to their characters and their personalities isn't because it works for the movie, but because uh, the movie works for that. And, uh, you right. know, that to me is like, that's why every single Spider-Man movie that's come out, and I've been reading Spider-Man since I was a little kid. We've talked about this a lot. And and don't get me started. I now prefer the Doc Ock Spider-Man. Uh, we can talk about that another time. But, Isn't that funny? Isn't yes. that a funny thing? Yes. In retrospect, it was a good series. It was the best. In, in fact, it, I, no, we have to save it for later because that's I, I won't stop talking about that. But, it's a fever. It's a fever talking, It's Dan. a fever. But I feel like these movies... Uh, have been so, so wrong, these Spider-Man movies. So wrong. And people say Andrew Garfield is good. First of all, everything about the movie is so flawed, I have yet to see Andrew Garfield play Spider-Man. I would love to see that. nothing against Andrew Garfield. He just hasn't been... Well, there's no gestalt. I mean, every part of it is fine. Every part of it is fine. The organic web shooters I got a big problem with, uh, personally. Uh, That's That bugs me. I don't like organic... I I like the mechanical web shooters. So does Brian Michael Bendis. We stand together on this. I'm, I'm with you too, 100. Uh, percent um, uh, uh, Here's the other part. To, to, to further to your point, I'll, I'm going to give you two characters. I can give you half a dozen, but here's two characters I'm okay. going to toss out. I'm ready. Um, Nick Fury and Tony Stark. Okay. Two think great about, characters. Yeah, but I mean, think about how the uh, and certainly this could this is to some extent the the cart or the horses pushing the cart or whatever but right. tail wagging the dog but <laughs> like you know what suddenly nick fury is black and that's okay because we all get that he's samuel l jackson right and it works fine in the comics it works great in the comics um setting aside how greg land draws everything uh think about iron man in comics now could iron man be anybody but robert downey jr nope. in the first 15 minutes of the first iron man movie he so perfectly encapsulates everything that could be awesome and character specific about him right Right. So flawlessly. Don't you think? Absolutely. 100%. And to all... where it affects the comics now. Yes. And now when yes. you draw it, you can imagine what's going in that bubble coming out of Robert Downey Jr.'s mouth. And it makes a lot of sense. Right. And, and, and it's amazing how he stepped into that role and played it so perfectly that it's, it had that effect that you're talking about where it's now rolled down into the comics and the comics are now trying to be as good as the movie was right. in that Just the sense. one scene, the one scene where he's got the drink in the SUV and they're driving around. And what does he say? I, I don't want to see this on MySpace or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like just, he like so nails that character. And what, what we can't appreciate, what, what we old people can appreciate in retrospect is how the deck was stacked against that movie being anything but a colossal flop. Oh yeah. Because A, who cares about Iron Man? And B, really? Robert Downey Jr.? He's going to be your marquee star? Right. And thinking like, you know, that guy, he was uninsurable at right. one point. Right. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, on, you know, the other thing for a different, different, different conversation is where I am a little bit more of a karma suck about the Marvel machine at this point. I've got a lot of strong feelings about that, but I think Spider-Man being back in the universe is great. I think, I think we need to appreciate that Peter Parker is ultimately, so Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Right. We must not forget that. A movie, anything that portrays that ultimately that, you know, it is this kid. That's always great to me. I just, he's got the Wolverine problem. He's the original Wolverine problem, which is like, he can't be in all these groups. Stop putting Spider-Man in the Avengers. Like it's fun for a little while. Like Avengers disassembled. That makes sense. But like, don't keep doing that. Like just because he's a popular character, just stop bolting him onto every group. Cause that gets lame. But I think they're going to do that. Cause that's what Marvel does. 
Marvel. First I part. have problems. I have problems in Marvel. Oh, if I got problems with Marvel right now, buddy. Woo, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. You know, um, can I mention one thing about comics? Yeah, go ahead, caller. Okay, thank you. Uh, first time Hawkeye. Um, I caught up. I uh, my secret shame. I've been way behind on my two favorite comics, and I caught up on both in the last week. I read um, a lot of Saga, and I caught up on Hawkeye. <laughs> I just want to say, um, well, first of all, Saga continues to break my heart. But guys, um, there is one issue of Hawkeye left. Um, it's gonna. The next issue will be the last fraction and aha um, Hawkeye, and I'm. I'm sorry to see it go, but I'm very happy to see it go out in the astonishingly good way in which it's going out, like it's been all along. But if you've heard us talk about Hawkeye, you got plenty of time to catch up. It's a total of, it's going to be a total of 22 issues for this. Can you believe that? Like it's been so like dribs and drabbed out. But, uh, last week, the penultimate issue of Hawkeye came out, Hawkeye 21, and it's really, really good. I would say, um, if you haven't read Hawkeye in a while, catch up to get to there, but, 20, 21, and 22 are, are basically a trilogy that ends the series, and it is incredibly rewarding, and there's a lot of uh, strong feelings. It's really, really good. I just want to say, go out and do it. You know, I think uh, everybody involved is probably kind of already moving on a little bit, yeah. but it's really awfully good in Saga. Oh. But anyway, yeah, so Hawkeye, comics. You like comics, Dan? I do. I'm, I'm getting into comics. Um, I uh, oh, you didn't hear it probably because you were coming back from your trip. But uh, Cash and I did another episode. Oh yeah, I saw that. Congratulations. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's pretty good in this one. So we talk about the Incredible Hulk and Planet Hulk and uh, and some Planet other things. Hulk. <gasps> this is a much shorter episode than the last one. But if you enjoy if you enjoy the musings of a uh, a pretty funny seven year old uh, boy, uh, check that out for ten fifteen. I will check minutes. it out. My daughter was put it in the show. Put in the show notes. Dan, where would people find show notes for episode Diggity 207? 207. Back to work program? They can go to 5x5.tv slash B as in boys, 2 as in the number, W as in walrus slash 207. Yep. Um, Manuka honey. I am, I am, I'm not an unfan of Hulk. I'm not a, just not a giant fan of Hulk, but um, I got to tell you, buddy. Woo. Planet Hulk and World War Hulk. I'll say it again. That I can say without reservation. Just pick it up. So good. Have, did you ever watch the Planet? I, I, I asked you this before. Did you ever watch the Planet Hulk thing on Netflix? I have not yet. Um, it's uh, it's really good. I mean, it's not as expansive and epic as the graphic novel, right? But uh, Mika Haida, not a fighter. <laughs> I love Meek. Do you have it? Do you still use a mute a mute switch ever? I have a software mute switch that I have used a lot today. Now, see, you could put, you could switch to a hardware one now because you've got the Shure SM7 in between you and the uh, the thing. You could mm-hmm. mute that. Hmm. I could do a lot of things, Dan. I've been riding this shortstop like you like a, like an MF. Mmm, like an MF, you say? Yes. Well, let's That's see. Do we cover enough comics? Hawkeye Saga. I see from the Twitter that uh, apparently Amazon now has pre-orders for the omnibus of Hawkeye. Oh, man. So good. So good. Those guys really think stuff out. Good group. Okay, so Dan's sick. We talked about the cruise. Hawkeye and Saga. Oh, this is super fast. This is, this is like two sentences. Thank you to everybody who bought a Roderick on the line shirt. That's all I wanted to oh, say. I bought one. What? Yes, I bought one. I, th- I got noticed that it was uh, my card uh, was charged. Was that an accident? What, you mean just buying one, not two? You did it on purpose? <laughs> yeah, of course I did it on purpose. I support that show. Thank now, you, Dan. 
It's, it's an important show. It's helping sold one, people. 1,197 shirts. That makes me feel good. So wow, thank you to everybody. that's double the last time we, more than double the last time we talked about it. Triple. Well, I posted about it a lot and was, was kind of annoying about it, but I, you know, it was the first thing. How many? Wait, say that again. I don't want to talk about it. How many? A thousand? <laughs> uh, just under 1,200. Wow, that's awesome. So I just wanted to say for folks who, you know, uh, thank you very, very much for doing that. There's a place on the site where you can say you're interested in getting it if we print it again. I don't really understand how that works, but I, that's all. I just wanted to say thank you. It was really nice of people to support the show like that. That's all. People want more shirts uh, for this show, but we, you know. People want, I don't know what it would people be. People want a lot of things. People want a lot of things, Dan. <laughs> Email Dan. Email Marco about it. If you would like yeah. to see new back... Um, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. In his fever state, he goes and checks, and there's 13 emails asking for back-to-work shirts. Yeah. Um, what would it be if you were to do a shirt for this show again? Because the last one sold pretty well. Yeah. I'd have to think about it. Uh, we got a lot of memes and themes. There's things that we could, uh, we could put a comic book on it, put a bird on it, put a... Uh, put a, put a hmm? <laughs> Easter um, bunny. Bok, bok. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. What are we up to now? 59 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have listener email here to talk about. All right. Well, let me Dan, do. A, let me do our Dan, second. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll go to. The, I'll go to the restroom, and you. Uh, and you. You tell us about something you like. All right. Let me tell you about Linda. It's already February. You know, but in, in January, I was saying, learn something new, challenge yourself this year. As Merlin and I often talk about making a New Year's resolution of some kind or other. Well. Why not start this month if you haven't started last month? Invest in yourself this year. You know, start learning something new. You go to Linda. Linda is spelled L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com. And we're going to give you a 10-day free trial. And the way that this works is you, you pay a monthly subscription to get access to pretty much every single thing that, that, that exists at lynda.com. Uh, they make amazing videos. Some of them are brief. Some of them are much more in-depth. And they're at all levels you can imagine, beginner, intermediate, advanced, and they're created by people who really know what they're doing, not just somebody who says, oh, I think I'm going to go buy a book about Final Cut Pro and make a video about what I just learned five minutes ago. They're going to find people who are professionals, who really, really, truly know what the stuff is that they're talking about. People who do this kind of thing every single day. They call those people experts. They have over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, business. And you get... You Dan, go in, Dan, they got the GTD. They got the GTD. I got with, a toot uh, about Dave this. Allen. Like just today, I want to say, from somebody who was, who was applauding uh, lynda.com, having watched uh, all the uh, GTD videos, and they said they were great. I would start with Merlin's uh, episodes here on GTD, and then I would go to get the, my master's degree in it by... By spending some time with Linda. <laughs> you could theoretically read the book, too. <laughs> well, I mean, anything to do that, anything but doing that is, you know, here's the thing. Videos. Videos. It's, it's the way of the future. Way of the future. You can go, you can sit down, you can watch a video, and you know what? Because it's a subscription thing, you can watch all of the videos, as many as you want. Start them, stop them. If you're a premium member, you can download them onto your phone, onto your, your iOS device, onto your phablet, whatever it is that you want. And, uh, and start really learning some valuable skills that will really, really help you. They've got a topic, uh, pretty much every topic covered. So uh, go and, uh, and check out lynda.com, free 10-day trial. You'll get access to every single thing. 
that they have on their site during that 10 days. So it's a great way to jump in and start learning something. And uh, I challenge you to start learning something new in 2015. Linda, L-Y-N-D-A. Thanks very much to lynda.com for supporting this episode of Back to Work. Dan Benjamin. Um, good stuff. All the great shows. All the great shows. You got to spend some good time with, uh, with John, I guess, up there. It's mm-hmm. the longest time you've been together since you guys lived in, uh, in, a, in an apartment together in... Uh, yeah, when John and I were in Sea Org. Yeah. Yeah, we used to live on a boat with L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. Um, those were good times. Polishing the brass. <laughs> Thetans. Uh, quality time. Quality time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Birdman. Uh, We've got to do, we do Birdman in the after dark. Got to. I, I can cover some Birdman. I can cover a little Birdman. I, I do feel like I need to um, watch it again. Oh man, the 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 scene when he takes the cold cuts out of the refrigerator yeah. and his his voice in that is so like hmm, it's like hmm, I'm at the end of my rope. Yep. <laughs> it's so perfect. Um plus Showbot's got some good ones this week. You guys are stepping up. Look at that. Nerdvana. That's pretty good. Uh hi Dan, how's it going? That's pretty good. Good week? Yeah, big week. Huge. Oh, it's been a huge week. Okay. Oh, you know what Uh, else I wanted to share with you? Something else that's changed my productivity. It's a product. It's a life hack. A life hack. Life hack. So when I when I was sick, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I had no appetite, and I all I didn't. Nothing tasted right. So I had coffee on uh, the Monday, uh, which is when the the fever really was ramping up. Monday after the Super Bowl. And uh, I had a little bit of coffee that morning and I didn't have it all the rest of the week. And I haven't had any since. Yes. And for me, so back when, um, when Marco was in, I'm going to guess like junior high or or, or grade school, I was roasting beans and being really snobby about the grind and all of that (laughs) stuff. And then I had kids and kids made it so that it was simply what's the fastest way to get a lot of caffeine into my body so that I can function and, and do what I need to do. So, uh, so I kind of went to the curry route for a while and then I kind of found the AeroPress and, and got back into that. Um, so for me, coffee, I just want to say is like, a, a, I remember drinking coffee, starting a serious daily coffee habit back in maybe my second year of college where I would have two to three mugs of this a day and, uh, and, and, and never looked back really. And there's been one other time where I wasn't drinking coffee, which is when I was uh, really into my Buddhist meditation practice. And I didn't want any kind of stimulant or anything because I was doing very much like an ongoing mindfulness practice throughout the day kind of thing. And I was working at home and it was before I had kids and it was... <laughs> coffee I, does not help with that. <laughs> it doesn't. It really doesn't. But It's a way to really test yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I have, Coffee really tests your ability to stay focused on anything, that kind of mindfulness. On, on anything. Yeah. Having not had any coffee now for, you know, going on more than a week, I my perception of time has really changed. Mm. And everything is much, much slower. Like right now here in Central Time, it's 12.07 p.m. Central Time. I feel like I've been much more aware of the progress of time today. Not saying that I'm necessarily much more efficient, but I feel like I've gotten more done. I feel like the day is, uh, in a way, kind of like 
I've got my thumb on it just a little bit more of time not getting away from me quite as dramatically as I always feel like it has. I wanted to put that on the table and see if this is something you would be interested in discussing with me. I would. I'm very interested in that. Meaning or implying that when you're drinking coffee, I mean, the obverse of that or whatever, that you, when you're drinking coffee, you tend to not be as aware of how much time is going by. Yes, exactly. Um, That I'll sit down to do something and that might lead to doing this other thing, which will lead to doing another, 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 another. And all of a sudden, you know, four hours have passed and I forgot to do the thing that I really wanted to do or that I needed to do because I wound up going down this path of sort of frantic uh, distraction and, and or it's taking a long time to do something or finishing something really quickly and not making good use of the time afterwards, just bad time management, bad time conceptualization. And, and, and and now I feel a little bit, and I remember this and I had always attributed this to the mindfulness practice that I was doing, this sort of the, the ongoing mindfulness practice that I was doing. But now I'm thinking maybe it's just not drinking coffee that, that unlocks that. I feel like I'm more in tune with, with where I am in the day. Like I'm, a little less than halfway through the day right now. But I wish I've, you could filter and filter for and select certain features of coffee. Yes. Because, I mean, obviously the feeling awake can, can be good or the feeling like, you know, not sleepy or not logy. I mean, in a way, that aspect of coffee just makes me feel like, quote unquote, myself. Is like to not be aware of being like, like, I don't want to feel like that. <laughs> right. So nobody wants to feel is it, But is that because you're not sleeping enough? No, I'm sleeping enough. But, the, but what I was going to say was that the, there's that. But then there's also the like, oh, I have more straight up energy and I guess, let me put it this way, executive function. I feel right. more in control of going, now I'm going to go do that thing. I'm going to do the crap out of that thing. Woo! That's great. But that can also lead to a certain kind of like, almost like overconfidence in your decision making. Mm-hmm. Let alone going further down the spectrum and getting into the whole like jittery, there's vampires in the wallpaper feeling. Right which I do not like, and I wish I could totally filter out. But I, you know, and it's different for me every day. Some days I'm like, I have a second or third cup of coffee, and I'm like, wow, I feel great, and I don't crash. Other days, it does not help with almost any of those except make me jittery. And I don't know why that is. I think it probably has to do with sleep, has to do with exercise, all the boring stuff that nobody under 40 thinks about. <laughs> Enjoy it while you can, kids. Get ready to stretch. Yeah, I remember my therapist back uh, maybe 10 years ago, uh, I was in my 30s, early 30s, and I was complaining. And she, she said, wait, how old are you, Dan? And I said, I'm 31. And yeah. she said, your problems haven't even started yet. Wait until you're in your 40s. That's when they really start. She, I was like, yeah. wow, thank you so much. But I, yeah, but right now, you're just, you're, those guys are just, they're just watching the warm-up act for problems. Right. They're not paying much attention because they're going like, oh, that's no big deal. But yeah, enjoy like, it. I don't want to sound too anti- uh, you know, young people or anything. I would but, never want to sound that way. But, I mean, it's kind of safe to say that, like, uh, most 20-somethings who think they feel tired have never actually felt tired. Yeah, I'm they just, don't like hearing that, though. No. <clears throat> yeah. But that There's we so only got things. all these uh, listening to this show anyway. So matter. many things to do. I have to go to a party and another party. <laughs> oh, Oh, I don't know. Which Whole Foods should I go to with my three hours I have right now? I'm 27. My life's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so hard. Should I get a fifth dog? Um, No, it's nothing against them. They're wonderful people. Right. I just can't wait to see them destroyed a little bit by life. Yeah. 
Yeah, so so I don't that's know. I, it's, I'm not coffee. saying that I would recommend this for you, Merlin. Is <laughs> no. I'm, I'm not saying that I, I think you should stop drinking coffee. But I'm so I'm at, I'm at a crossroads now because now things do taste normal again. And yeah, I, I my do I go is... back to it? Because if I go back to it, I'll be right back on that bandwagon again. I'll be drinking it. I'll be you know. And it happens before you realize it. Days, a couple days. You will not realize it until you're already like, oh, I'm Johnny Coffee again. How'd that happen? (laughs) Right. Yeah, my problem is I no longer take literal pharmaceutical speed. And I really miss that. The stuff that I used to take for my ADD was like, it was a guaranteed source of energy. And there's nothing to replace it. I hate to say it, but it's, I, I will continue to miss that for as long as I don't take it. And coffee, any of that stuff doesn't even come close. But, you know, it also had the had downsides to it, and I didn't want to take it forever, like but what? brother. Oh, gosh, there's all kinds of downsides to uh, taking literal pharmaceutical speed. <laughs> I mean, one thing is you have to carry a prescription into a pharmacy every month and go, could I please have my literal pharmaceutical speed? <laughs> right. and, and they go, sure, a regular. Also, give me all the shots. Right. But, uh, but no, it's, it's funny. Like once you've, once you've had that, everything else is child's play. I imagine it's like that with, with, you know, meth or something like that too. But, um, I, um, yeah, I really miss it. I, I'm tempted frequently to, uh, see if I could get back on it. Cause I, I don't know. There's some ways in which I really felt like myself when I was taking that every day. And then a number of ways in which I felt like I was not so much myself. And the problem is you, you got to be yourself. Um, I mean, it's, I've said this before, but I'm reminded of that episode of Seinfeld I, said, I know I said this here before, but like where Lane's boyfriend shaves for swimming. Remember that? The guy from all the uh, Christopher Guest movies. Oh, yeah, on that yeah, one yeah. episode. Yeah. And he, he shaves himself bald for swimming. <laughs> yeah. And Lane sees his driver's license picture and goes, wow, you are really handsome. You should grow your hair in again. And he starts growing it in. And he realizes that in the time since he started shaving his head, he's actually gone bald. <laughs> he now has male pattern baldness. <laughs> and that's sometimes what I think of. Like you take, you know, I think a lot of the ongoing effects of becoming an older person were masked by the stuff that I was taking for ADD. Oh, really? which is, Oh, absolutely. How, long, how so, long did you take it for? Uh, I think like four years, five that's, years. I mean, that's, so that's long enough to, to for sure mask things. Your body can get good and screwed up in five years. Yeah. And, and your, and your brain. Um, but anyway, not to get too far into that. Oh, I, I would talk more about, uh, about coffee. It's, it's, uh, you know, I, but you know, it's this, the thing about the coffee is it's this stimulant that has a dramatic, and that's what shocked me, is how dramatic the effect of coffee is or was on, uh, is, and, and how stopping it unintentionally uh, is something that I wasn't ever planning to really do. Right. It, it's, it tastes, that to me, that's one of the great signs of knowing I'm getting sick is the coffee doesn't taste good. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're not, it's not palatable. You don't look forward to it in the same way, and it, it just tastes like boogers, so, like, you don't want to drink it. Right, you don't want to drink it, and, and, you know, and I definitely was hooked enough on it that if I didn't drink coffee, I would feel the not drinking coffee. Oh, I, and- I, it's, it's, it's a terrible, I'm sure there are many, many worse kinds of withdrawal, but withdrawal from, sudden withdrawal from coffee, if everything else in your life is virtually the same, and you're used to drinking, you know, two to four cups of coffee a day. I'm just tossing this out. Yeah. But like the day that everything else in your life is normal and you can control for the fact that all you did was stop drinking coffee, brother, are you going to notice it? I mean, uh, you know, and maybe not quite migraine level of headaches as a migraine getter. I can say it's not quite a migraine, right. but a kind of all encompassing headache and like neck pain and just uh, crankiness. <laughs> 
because <laughs> your your body's hurting. Your synapses are going like, where is my coffee? But that I feel like that was compounded uh, and in some ways masked by the because you were because you were sick the the illness. So <laughs> I, I feel like I'm almost like I'm hesitant to uh, it's, you know, like Obi Wan when he wasn't sure if you know he had to go and 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 taste the uh, he had to try the heroin that one last time, mm. and he's like. Hmm. Great, I'll have to do this for the for the thing. But oh, you know, oh, he was one with the when he was in the toilet. Yeah, in the toilet, the toilet when movie. He, back when he played uh, played football, as you yes, said. Yes, yes, I remember that. Uh, Lust for life. Lust for life. And so he's, you know, I'm. I feel like I'm. I don't want to go back to that, even though I feel like I miss it. And I very much there's a great Letterman quote of like I have without coffee, I have no identifiable personality whatsoever. I I totally get that. Yeah. Because you feel like things are where they're supposed to be. But I'm very intrigued by what you said a minute ago, where you, where you Thank said... You. Thank you very well, much. Yeah. Where you said that you're, um, y- you, f- you feel like you on the, the speed, that's you. Certain, certain aspects right? were very much like, like, oh, well, I've come home. This is the me that I think I should feel like. Okay. I can get a lot accomplished. So is that... It, my, okay, let me try, try and pull this apart was that you before you got very very old and this brings you back to that feeling was this you plus 10 in a way that you can't achieve uh without a little bit of pharmaceutical help Uh, in other words what is it that me because i know like i i think back to when i was in college and i used to be able to to go and i i used to just go on a jog and i was running really really fast i could like as we used to say, haul ass uh, on this jog, push myself a hundred percent, you know, just go uh, to the wall. Like full on Jason Bourne. Full on Jason Bourne. Get back in, take a shower, feel good. Next morning, wake up, feel fine. Now, I would not try that now because I have su- certain limits. Mm. But, but, like, I think back to that time and I'm like, in my mind, that's me. I just have to deal with these accommodations now. Like, that's the real me, though. Like, but it's not. It hasn't been the real me for 15 years. Oh, I see your point. That's a very interesting point. And, I mean, a very interesting question. Yeah. Like, you know, to a paraphrase Raymond Carver, you know, what we talk about when we talk about me. Yeah. Not a title. Um, <laughs> that's really interesting. So that's kind of what I'm going with, with for what you're saying. Well, okay, on a, on a boring practical level, to, before I answer your real question or try to answer your real question, <clears throat> I think it's worthwhile to, uh, if you're somebody who does have a lot of, of uh, whatever, over-the-counter legal stimulants like coffee, right. I think it's not a bad idea to hack around on that a little bit to try, like, you know, I mean, if... In, the problem is, like, it's sort of like a John Roderick thing of, like, I don't want to be addicted to something, partly because when the apocalypse comes and I don't have it anymore, like, right. well, they just make me into sandwiches. So, <laughs> right. you know, if you don't have coffee for a day, are you really going to be, like, incapable, like, of doing anything? That's always in the back of my mind. And that was very much in the back of my mind with ADD medicine, because it was such a balance of different things to try and approximate normal um, through through these little mixtures. But I mean, if you're, if you do drink coffee, I think it's worthwhile to experiment with just different things. Like try, um, to get it, to get the effect you want without the side effects or without the gluttony, it pays to look at stuff like, like I discovered, I really like espresso. And so like a double espresso has a lot of what I'm looking for without a lot of the stuff that's 
you know, bad. Like I don't want to necessarily have like four tablespoons of cream every morning, you know? And, but with espresso, I didn't want that at all. You could also try things like, like I read what you all read in the last few months that there's not that much point to having a bunch of coffee for most people until like nine 30 in the morning, because you're still the cortisol that's got you running in the morning is usually giving you most of the stimulation you need to get started. It's around, you know, whatever, two hours after waking up that most of us could really use a coffee. There's other kinds of tricks. Here's a great trick. This is a great met fraction trick. If you're going to like, if you're going to have some coffee, but you're also tired, slam a giant coffee, then go to sleep and you'll wake up in about 20 minutes. You get a disco nap and then you get the bonus coffee because the coffee doesn't really hit you for about 20 minutes. Sounds crazy, but that's the kind of coffee hacking I would recommend is to look at more than just, above all, don't get into a rut because a rut is where you're like, I used to be drinking a pot of coffee a day, not feeling that great, but knowing I can't possibly stop. So I think it's nice to just know if if you're okay with being addicted to that, like I am with stuff like coffee, like that's okay. But you know, you could, uh, you could at least be a little bit advisable about how you do it. And also things again, like I, there's a kind of tea that I really like a lot. What's it called? Runa. This, 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 uh, kind of energy tea that doesn't have huge side effects. That's the only thing I will drink in terms of caffeine after maybe noon or one. Mm. So before I pick my kid up, I have uh, a, a big cup with maybe two tea bags full of this tea. And, but it doesn't like have me up all night, which is great. Um, so there's that. And then the part about like where you, so is, is that, does that, yes. that's kind of, fu- I guess, functional advice. That's, that's helping people, right? Yeah, I think so. But then the issue of like <clears throat> who you are inside of all of that is an endlessly interesting uh, question to me. So I'm going to officially set aside this listener email because I think this is interesting. Did you, did you get the email from uh, Sam Last Name Withheld? Did you see that? Uh, the one that you replied and asked if you, yes, I saw that. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. We should talk about that though. Not, yeah. not this week, maybe next week. Okay. We have a listener who uh, studies with uh, Csikszentmihalyi mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, has some thoughts on it. So we should come back to that. Uh, we can talk about coffee. We have hour and 20. What happened? How are we at hour and 20? What I feel happened? like I'm right on top of the time. I don't know what you're talking about. I feel good. I want to tell you about some comics I like. All right. Um, we have a third sponsor, which I can do now or later, whatever you want. Why don't you, we do uh, that? And then we'll show. come back. We'll, we'll wrap up on the human aspects of coffee and what we talk about when we talk about coffee. All right. Our, our final sponsor of the uh, week is freshbooks.com. Yeah. They're good. I mean, that's it. You know what? I say that's it. That's you it. Know? That's wrong with that. You're just an idea guy. Yeah. I mean, the freshbooks.com. Go check it out. Thank you. Bok, bok. Bok, bok. No, I'll tell Dan, you you want to tell me about anything you like? Let me tell you about being your own boss, Merlin. Mm. You, you, you start running your own business, and what happens is you get sick, and then you get way, 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 way behind on everything, and, uh, and, and you, feel, you feel really helpless, and you feel like there's nothing you can do. <laughs> Did they tell you to say that? This is, I'm just reading the script. Okay. <clears throat> and, uh, and so when you come back from being sick, you realize that uh, you've got to invoice your, your customers, your clients, your, the people that you work with, right? I mean, how are you going to, you've got to get paid, you've got to get your money. They're going to make this whole process easier because a lot of people, I think when they're starting out, they think, you know what, I'll just, I'll invoice, I'll just send, I'll just send my client an email or I'll, I'll go into Microsoft Word and I'll find the invoice template 
and I'll uh, I'll type some things into that, and I'll I'll print it, and I'll put it in an envelope, and I'll send I'll, it. I'll format it. I'll format this with tables in Microsoft Word. That'll right. be easier than subscribing to FreshBooks. Yeah, and that's the that's the crazy crazy thing because you get no feedback from that. Your invoices always look different. You've got to come up with a numbering scheme yourself that you'll quickly forget. I mean, I could I could spend an hour telling you all the downsides to uh, to trying to manage your own invoicing process, but instead I'll tell you what FreshBooks uh, does to solve all of that. They make really easy to use invoicing software that's designed to help small business owners, independent people stay ahead of the game. They help you keep tabs on your business finances, and you can do all of this no matter where you are. All you need is a computer. All you need is your iOS device. All you need is your Android device. All of this stuff is right here. And things like, for example, you create an invoice in FreshBooks. It goes out to your customer, to your client. You can see when they received it, when they opened it. So that way you never have that question in your mind of, well, did they ever, did, did they get it? I wonder if they, no, you can see who got it and when they got it, even if it goes out to multiple people, you can send it out as a PDF. They'll even, I've obviously got to pay for the stamp, but if you need to send paper invoices, they'll print them out and put a stamp on it, mail them out there for you. It's it's so amazing. Their, their feature set is always growing. They've got a really cool thing that lets you track time. You can import your uh, your your uh, your receipts and things like that for all kinds of tracking. They integrate with Google Apps and Zendesk and Basecamp and MailChimp and Live Chat, Wufoo, Podio, you name are those, it. Are those all real words, Dan? Those are so real. And uh, you know what? When you get a, a late paying client, it happens, they will automatically send a late payment reminder that's going to help you get paid faster. Oh, you get multi-currency? They got multi-currency. They got that. You got international people. They do that. They can bill in any currency that you want. You can accept payments right through their system. Really great stuff. They have a special URL, freshbooks.com slash back to work, all spelled out. Freshbooks.com slash back to work. This will get you FreshBooks free for 30 days, after which time I know you will love it. We think they're great and been using them for years and years before we uh, ever had them as a sponsor. So go check them out. Freshbooks.com slash back to work. Thank you very much to them for supporting Merlin Mann. Mm, thank you. Hmm. Here's another coffee right now. <clears throat> How you doing? I'm doing good. All right. <clears throat> I feel like I, things have opened up a little bit for me. I kind of woke woken up. You, if you go back and listen to the beginning versus now, you sound a lot more alive. I feel better, less dead inside. You sound, you sound, well, you sound like you're, well. Let's not go crazy. Ah, jeez, this is a lot to get into. Um, see, now all I'm going to do is want to talk about Alan Watts, and that's no good. No, why uh, not? He's, you know, they uh, they yeah. brought him back to life in that uh, her movie. Oh, I see. I didn't get to that part. Oh, you stop it. Yeah, I started it like three times. I, I can tell it's a good movie, but I just... It's I all right. It's a very... It. it looks good. It's all right. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, it's creepy. It's weird. Well, I don't know. I just... I um, One of the things he said that I found interesting was this idea of like, which which is the you that you feel like when that's right. working? Yes. Um, And so for me, uh, like I, I, I don't think of myself in the same way that you do as having had a lot of energy to just go out and run. Like that's not something that I've ever been, you know, really great at, but I very much have had the feeling in my head anyway of like knowing what it feels like to be on, knowing what it feels like to be, you know, on your game and having a good day and having access to the things that, uh, make you want to do what you know you want to do. 
Um, sorry, my f- thing's beeping here. Oh, I sent myself a photo and forgot. And now it's beeping. <laughs> I definitely need some more coffee. Um, <laughs> so I remember when I was in college and my, my French lit professor said something that didn't immediately make total sense to me. But he said, oh, you know, you got to have a cup of coffee in the morning. It really helps you get your engine started. And like, I, I get that analogy roughly, but I didn't really get it until I started drinking coffee every morning. And then I understood what he meant. Like an engine that's already started and going down the road is doing fine. How do you go from the car not being on to getting the engine literally started? It's such a great analogy. You can forget like what a great analogy is. And that's exactly what coffee would do is in the time from in the half hour from uh, I'm waking up to I've had a cup and a half of coffee. I really feel like my engine has gotten started. It's gotten me right. to like, you make that crack about how you, your first cup of coffee is just to give you enough energy to have a second cup of coffee. <laughs> right. Cause that's when it really starts working. <laughs> and I, I think there's something kind of like, haha, but sort of true to that, which is that for most of us, I mean, we need something to, we start wanting something to take us out of that Logie state. We say we need something to take us out of that Logie state just to get us to like baseline to like zero me, like, Okay, this is the minimal, the, the minimum viable me title. It's like, I need this coffee to get to there. And what's interesting about that, though, is, again, if you do that over time, um, you know, what, 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 what is that you? Like, where did that come from? And what happened in the interim if you didn't do that? I think it's kind of what we're talking about. So... I don't know. It's just there's all kinds of things that we can do that aren't just coffee. There's all kinds of things like habits, good and bad, things that we do, doing our exercises or not doing our exercises. Like there's all of these things where you're like, well, what would happen if I did that differently? Like, is that the real me? You know, because I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is there's always something that's always concerning to me, which is like all these things that I keep stapling to myself to become me. Like how much of that is not me at all? it's really just come some kind of stapled on costume or like a fake mustache of reality. <laughs> and if I stopped drinking coffee, like, would that be me? Well, that would be a me that's not very palatable to me. Do you know what I'm saying? I totally do. And Am I talking crazy talk? I might be talking crazy talk. No, no, no. This, this makes definite sense to me. And I think there's that aspect of, you know, when you talk about bolting things on or, or it's almost like that, I don't want to call it a costume in a way, but there are these things that are the expectations that people have of you, the roles that you have assumed in your life. Uh, and, and the more people who are involved in your life or the more people who rely on you for one thing or another, uh, the, the more important those roles are going to be and, and keeping them. You know, I mentioned like I had to take my kid to school, whether I was sick or not. Like that's, you know, I have this role of like you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, right, right, right. I'm a dad. Like I have two kids and that that's going to change the framework of being sick or drinking coffee or not or whatever. And it, it can become very easy in a way to fall into those those things that are habits without ever really considering them or evaluating them or reevaluating them. And I know this is a little bit different from what you were talking about, but it's like we we do that. We have these assumptions that we make or these um these duties that we perform and sometimes we just get into that rut or zone of where we're just doing these things without really thinking about it. And uh you know like maybe the answer is to you really should be a goat farmer instead of doing the thing that you're doing every day because it doesn't make you happy. Uh, sometimes you can't change that, right? But mm-hmm. like, I totally understand that concept of saying, like, okay, this is this is that mantle I need to put up on my shoulders now, and I'm going to go and do this thing. And in order to do that thing, which I'm not even sure why I'm doing, I need two cups of coffee. You know, right? 
Well, and, and and the thing is, if you keep doing that over and over, I mean, it's difficult to talk about this without either going way up into the clouds or talking about things like potentially substance abuse or addiction. But, you know, sorry, I'm trying to type this thing here. Okay. Um, but I, the, the, the part about this that's this troubling or irksome or, you know, ponderous <laughs> is when you go like, well, you know, how many, like think about, again, think about meditation and, and the idea of um, sort of unclenching and allowing all of these things that are swimming around your brain at maximum speed to be something you're not grasping at anymore. Like, you know, I think one, one way to think about a certain kind of entry-level meditation is to think about being okay with whatever thoughts are going by without having to um, grab them with both hands and try to strangle them into submission or trying to push them away with both hands so you don't have to think about them. But anything that comes along, good, bad, or otherwise, you know, it's, it's, when you first start to do med- meditation, it's, uh, very, very surprising, especially if you notice it, how much it's hard to meditate because your brain is, or, you know, your mind, however you want to think of it, is somehow constantly cycling through this catalog of a million different things. It's almost like this Kodak carousel of photos that you're flipping through, just hold the button down and make it spin around. And eventually something grabs you, you feel an emotion, and then you obsess about it. And you don't really notice that maybe until you meditate. But when you let go of that, or when you say like, I don't need to grasp that, I don't need, and I don't even really need to push down the switch that makes all the photos go by. What would happen if I gently inclined toward not doing that? And again, this is a big theme in this, in this Ellen Watts book is like, you know, it's always like we're trying to run and knock down a door when we try to do anything. What if we just relax for lack of a better word? And what if we said, whatever's happening is okay, but I'm also not going to add fuel to all of that energy of stuff going through my right, mind. Right. I say all this in the service of saying that's a really illuminating experience because you suddenly realize that what equals equals you is just a whole bunch of stuff that's spinning through your brain and you may not even be aware of it or you're slightly aware of it or you're aware of the bad things. You don't notice these funny patterns about how your brain works. And so the question there, a la coffee, is like what happens if I stop uh, assuming that I am all those things flying through there? Well, then what me is left over after that? That's very illuminating. And it can't help but lead you to wonder, like, all the things that I do. What is the me that's there if I don't look at Instagram 10 times a day? Right. Or what is the me that's there if I get a little more exercise? Because, you know, and now we're, we're just, we're balls deep in uh, Buddhism now. But, like, it, that, that is a stream. That, like, that constant, that thing that you're always chasing that's called you is, it's, it's just like a handful of sand. And, you know, or another way, uh, to go back to the photo analogy, you're always looking at some... Uh, distorted snapshot of your life to say that was me. This is me. Like this is I and this is me. This is the I that feels things and this is the me that does things. And you're like, you know, I think you can get really wound up in that kind of thinking until you stop and go, wait a minute, what's going on here? The same way that like when you get a cold and you can't do all the stuff that constitutes you anymore, you feel real out of whack because that's not you. You is healthy right? You is able to have executive function. Right. You is able to breathe. And when all those things are introduced that make us somebody who we're, we think we're not, it's really disconcerting. So whether it's with the speed or the coffee or, or alcohol or whatever it is, it's, it's interesting to think about like, what, what is the you that's there after that thing went away? Because that's probably still not even the real you. The you is whatever is happening. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. But again, again, to, to, to think of that book, I mean, Alan Watts says that a lot of the, uh, the trouble comes from like the minute we have anything that's, that's, that's troubling to us. Maybe that's a headache from not having coffee or maybe it's worry or whatever it is. We find ourselves trying to seek relief from fleeing from the moment by looking at a memory. 
And the memories of something that we think can help us escape from that. And the truth is you can't because all that you, there is that memory never really existed. That was just you living in the moment at a different time. And now right now, regardless of how bad your headache is, that's still just you living in the moment. There really isn't a past or future. There's only just this thing. And then there's a bunch of sand that we rake our fingers through. Um, this is a really ponderous way to try and approach the idea of drinking coffee. But I think it is a funny and super scary thing to find out what happens when the part that you think constitutes or makes or sustains you is taken away. And then like, what is the part that's left? Is that still you? Right. Yeah, yeah, it still is. It still is. Because that you were never really the you you thought. And that's, that's the harrowing like kind of bottom floor that the elevator hits. Wow. That was awful. That was, no, that was really good. <laughs> Jeez Louise. That was a good one. Um, yeah, that book really kind of stuck to my brain. I don't claim to even understand half of it, but the stuff that I half understood of the half that I read <laughs> really, really grabbed me. You know, it's, uh, it's, 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 it is, as you might say, sobering. But uh, I don't know, with me and the speed, like <clears throat> the upside of it was super clear in some ways. I mean, I immediately, as soon as that stuff started kicking in, I immediately felt a huge amount of executive function. And I felt, really, it's the way people describe like smoking crack, where you're like, you, you feel kind of invincible, like you, you can do anything. Um, the troubling side is you may not do everything. You may not even do anything, because if you get the mix wrong, you know, you're monkeying with some pretty serious chemistry when you take that stuff, right. including coffee. And, you know, it's, it's, it can be very exhilarating in a way that's hard to turn into a straight line of activity unless you get really good at it. And if, when you don't get good at it and you start having to take compensatory things, so what's, what happens? You take a bunch of co- have a bunch of coffee, you start racing around, and that makes you want a donut, so you eat a donut, but now you got a sugar rush and then a sugar crash, you know what I mean? And it yeah. crashes all the way down. Like you're constantly self-medicating f- to get out of the state that you thought was going to make you the me you thought you should be. And so, I mean, it, I think it doesn't hurt to sometimes find yourself somewhere in that process and go, whoa, like how much of this do I really want to do? And how much do I really think that I can regain whatever this notional me is? Wow. Cut all of that. I just leave the comic stuff. All right. What do you think? No, I mean, this part will never, will never air. Well, in that case, tell me what you think. What do I think about, about your, your theories? I, mean, I don't. I was in a fugue state for that entire time. No, I mean it's it's heavy. Some of it, it, some of it, I know some of it's BS, but it, some of it makes sense, right? No, it does, and it's you know. But I think that's part of this strange thing. Whenever you do, you know, going into the the Buddhist thing, uh, the Buddha used this term of like a uh, funny that it's also a computer term, a, a heap of of stuff that human beings and our minds are sort of a a heap. And you talk about kind of cycling through all of these different things. You know, if, if you, if you understand the way that a computer um, multitasks, if you will, it's more like it has a long list of processes that it needs to kind of work through. And it'll, it'll say, I have a list. I'm, I'm doing a hundred things right now. First thing, second thing, third thing, fourth thing. They're not necessarily all happening at the same time they're happening the computer is sort of spreading its resources out to each one of those things very 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 quickly and then working down that stack again right 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 right. now we have better processing and things that that really do happen uh, simultaneously but but if you think of that in a way of like it's happening so fast that it, it feels it feels parallel. It feels parallel. But people in, who people who say they're great at multitasking, who actually are great at quote unquote multitasking, are actually just great at changing gears seamlessly. Right. That's like right. Like a computer. Like yeah. a computer. Like a computer. Yeah. It just the computer is doing these things so quickly 
that we don't really we don't really know that it's not doing them all at once. They, it would appear to be, and in a lot of ways, I think that we as as people as human beings. Um, it's almost like you want to pull the number of those things that you're thinking about out of of that stack. Like when you know, like I remember, it was this morning or yesterday morning. I was complete. I was in the shower. I was completely on autopilot. I wasn't thinking about you know getting clean and washing my hair and these other things. They were just they were sort of happening. And then you know, and part of this is being in that fog of man. I'm not really 100 percent right now. I'm still kind of sick and tired and out of it. But like. Even and we've talked about this before, that whole sense of being on autopilot as you drive, like, how did I get from my driveway to my kid's school or how did I get from my kid's school to the parking garage? And like, like, I was on I was on, you know, um, I-10. I know I, I at one point I remember seeing this sign on I-10. I know I was listening to Fresh Air. And then another time I remember seeing this sign and I don't consciously remember anything in between. And yet right. I was driving a car. Exactly. Like, I was there, I did those things. It must have been me. Right. I don't know. Ponderous. Ponderous. Mm. Ponderous, man. Boy, I'm scared to listen to that one, Dan. That's a good one. (sighs) That's a good one. One for the record books. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Better get some more coffee. (laughs) Okay, let's button this up. Oh, I love you, Merlin Man. Okay, let's button this up. Okay, I love you, Merlin Man. (laughs) Too damn Benjamin.